It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Monday, June 7th, 2021. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. A Florida lawsuit is challenging the Centers for Disease Control's pandemic rules for cruise ships. Federal officials say if the lawsuit succeeds and the court tosses the CDC restrictions, it would have the unintended consequences of banning cruises to Alaska this summer. From Alaska's Energy Desk, Eric Stone explains. The state of Florida sued the CDC in April, aiming to eliminate the agency's pandemic restrictions on cruise ship travel. Those rules are outlined in the CDC's evolving framework for conditional sailing, often called the conditional sailing order. Florida, along with the states of Texas and Alaska, are asking a federal judge in Tampa to throw out that CDC order. They argue the agency has overstepped its authority. But lawyers for the CDC say Congress implicitly approved the agency's cruise ship rules when it passed a law last month waiving a requirement for Alaska cruises to stop in Canada. As the law passed, several cruise lines announced plans to sail to Alaska starting in late July. That law, the Alaska Tourism Restoration Act, is written narrowly. It applies only to cruises from Washington to Alaska prior to next April and, critically, only applies to cruises approved by the CDC under the conditional sailing order. And so, the CDC argues, if there's no conditional sailing order, that would, quote, end cruising in Alaska for the season. The argument goes like this. Without the conditional sailing order, the Alaska Tourism Restoration Act can't apply. That would leave the 19th Century Passenger Vessel Services Act in place. It requires Alaska-bound cruises to stop in Canada, but Canada's ports are closed this summer. Attorneys for Alaska say the state firmly disagrees with the CDC's assertion, but their brief doesn't say why. In its own filing, Florida disputes that Congress approved the CDC rules when it passed the Alaska Tourism Restoration Act. The case continues in U.S. District Court in Florida, June 10th. For Alaska's Energy Desk, I'm Eric Stone in Ketchikan. Alaska's tourism businesses were girding for another tough summer until the successful rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine. Now, in Southeast Alaska, some businesses are seeing a record rebound in bookings. But as Nat Hers with Alaska Public Media reports, the rising tourism tide isn't lifting all boats. About 30 miles from Juneau, I've just touched down in a remote bay in the Tongass National Forest. I'm here on a tour but first, I have to get off the tiny float plane onto the shore. I mean, I could, I could also just take my boots off. Yeah, why don't you hop on my back? You ready? All right. <laughs> ready? Yep. There we go. All right. Woo. Thanks, man. Guide craft. Can I give you this? Yeah. Totally. I've flown to this isolated spot on Admiralty Island with two guides and a visiting couple from Idaho. We're here to look at bears, but the couple bears that are around are a little nervous, so we have to find a place to set up shop and hope they'll get a little closer. While we wait, one of the guides, Dan Kirkwood, sets up a spotting scope for one of their guests, Cindy Clark. Here, Cindy, come check this out. That's my very first time seeing Clark and her husband, Greg, are what tourism businesses call independent travelers, as distinct from those who come on a cruise ship. In a normal year in Southeast Alaska, 90% of the region's million or more tourists come on those cruise ships. 
But the industry gets a little more bang for its buck from independents like the Clarks, who typically spend more money onshore. Unlike cruise passengers, the Clarks are in Alaska for almost three weeks, staying in Airbnbs and cooking for themselves, and budgeted as much as $10,000 for their trip. Here's Greg. I just, I don't like big crowds. I don't want to be a tourist. I don't like the idea of doing the same thing everybody else does. I like unique vacations. The Clarks actually had their bear tour booked last year, but had to cancel because of the pandemic. Now they're both vaccinated and had no reservations about going on their trip. And they're far from the only ones who have been finding ways to explore Southeast Alaska this summer, even with federal limitations that are keeping the large cruise ships away until next month. For private and small group experiences, lodge-based trips, yachts and small ship cruises, I would say demand has never been higher. Greg Schlachter is a longtime guide based in the southeast town of Haines, who also runs an adventure travel agency called Expedition Broker. I talk to the lodge owners I work with or the vessel owners I work with. Like they're, they're barely able to kind of get their season going because there's so many inquiries coming in. Schlachter says he's convinced a couple of captains to buy expensive yachts for this summer just because of the renewed demand. He says there are two big things driving it. One is that many people who canceled trips last year rolled them over to this summer, adding to those who are excited to book new post-pandemic adventures. A second is that overseas destinations are still harder to get to, and Alaska is about the most exotic substitute. Add in the lack of cruise ships, and you get a big group of people looking for smaller-scale adventures. But about that lack of cruise ships. I just finished up May, and I, you know... May was running at about 7% of a normal year, revenue-wise. Laura Martinson sells art from dozens of Alaska artists at her Caribou Crossings shop, just across from where the cruise ships dock in downtown Juneau. She says this year, with the rush of independent travelers, things are definitely better than last summer when she only saw 1% of her normal revenue. But even if there are more independent travelers, their numbers are still far, far smaller than the hundreds of thousands who arrive by cruise ship. And when those ships begin arriving in July, they'll still be far less frequent and likely less full, Martinson says. It's great to see the faces. It's great to see the traffic. But we are a volume-based economy down here because we're so seasonal. And so I'm grateful for every single person that walks in the door. Um, but we certainly are not feeling like, great, it's back, we're rebounding. Many other cruise-linked businesses say they're facing similarly grim outlooks for this summer, even if they say they're grateful for the work Alaska's elected leaders did to lift limitations that had blocked any big ships from coming at all. But back out on the bear tour as we quietly wait behind a log... Kirkwood, the guide, says his smaller-scale business, Alaska Seaplane Adventures, is in good shape for this summer. I mean, I, I hesitate to say this, but we're on track to have our busiest year ever. Kirkwood's business is trying to broaden its options for independent travelers. They market glacier viewing, whale watching, and customized remote cabin trips in addition to bear viewing. While some Southeast residents have started to push back against the huge numbers of cruise passengers that arrive each summer, Kirkwood says there's room for smaller-scale businesses to grow without jeopardizing the experiences they're selling. We're at a special spot. No, I wouldn't want to see us triple the volume of people here, but we could develop other bear viewing areas that would create new companies in rural communities 
those are the decisions we can make if we want it. As Kirkwood and I chat, a grizzly bear pops out of the brush and strolls by about 30 feet away, noshing on sedgegrass with a backdrop of waterfalls and snow-covered mountain slopes. We've only got another hour in this spot, but Kirkwood will be back here in a day or two with guests for another tour. In Juneau, I'm Nat Hurst. Late last month, Juno had its first women and trans skate event. Around 20 women, trans, and non-binary identifying people gathered at the pipeline to skateboard. KTOO's Lindsay Brolini went to check it out. It was a rainy and cold Friday evening in Juno, that wet cold that gets in your bones. And yet people still showed up to the community's first ever women and trans skateboarding session. Inside the pipeline in the Mendenhall Valley, music played through a portable speaker, echoing off the graffitied walls. Skateboarders and a few roller skaters glided down ramps in the halfpipe. There were young kids there with the Zach Gordon Youth Center, young adults in their 20s, people who use she, her, they, them pronouns. Sarah Leggett works for Skate Like a Girl, the nonprofit that sponsored the event. She was very happy with how many people showed up. Yeah, I'm stoked. This is like not at all what I was expecting. Like the parking lot is full and it's kind of shocking. Sarah Leggett works for Skate Like a Girl, the nonprofit that sponsored the event. Skate Like a Girl aims to create an inclusive community through skateboarding. Normally, they only serve Seattle, Portland, and the Bay Area. But when the pandemic broke out, the nonprofit switched to virtual programming and let Like It work outside those communities. When outdoor activities became safer, Skate Like a Girl started hosting in-person events again. And since she was in Juneau when this change happened, Leggett was able to bring the program to town. Leggett thinks it is important to have women, trans, and queer visibility in the skateboarding community. Through Instagram, I started following Skate Like a Girl, Unity Skateboards, all these skater Instagrams, and just got really stoked on it. Finally seeing people that look like me, and I just went to a couple events, and I was like, yeah, this is where I want to be. These are, this is like where I feel the most comfortable in my body. People of all genders and abilities came to Leggett's event, including young kids who were learning skateboarding for the first time. This isn't how it normally is at the pipeline when she comes to skateboard. When I come to the park, it's like teenage boys and maybe some dads, but I rarely find a femme-looking person. For Leggett, skateboarding is more about the community than the skateboarding itself. And seeing people identify similarly to her in that community is important. You go to the skate park alone as a woman or trans or non-binary, gender non-conforming person, and you just feel so isolated. And so I think it's really nice to have a sense of community, whether you've been skating for 15 years or three years or today's your first day. Like it hopes to host future women and trans skate events once a month. And if the weather is nice, she might even have events outside. In Juneau, I'm Lindsay Brolini. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. And if you happened to miss any of our stories this morning, you can still catch them by going to kcaw.org, where you can listen to and read our news stories there.